Well, it's always great to go around the Big 12 Conference and welcome on various athletic directors. And no one's seen more of the good, the bad, and the ugly from around the Big 12 Conference in the last several years than our next guest, Jamie Pollard, the Iowa State Athletic Director, joins us on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. It's always good to be with you. And whether you're watching us on YouTube, whether you're on the podcast, of course, on our radio affiliates, we appreciate you being here. Hit that subscribe button and um, let's get to it with the Iowa State AD. Jamie, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's just start off with this time of year. As I said to you before we started, it uh, feels like kind of the calm before the storm. Big 12 football, of course, getting underway. But we've got four new teams entering the Big 12. How exciting is that based on really what has been a tumultuous last 24 months for this conference? Oh, absolutely exciting. Those four institutions bring a lot of stability, credibility to our league. I've been in this league for 18 years. I've got the scars, the bruises, <laughs> the bumps, the scratches, you name it, um, from all the challenges we've experienced. And I can honestly say probably the last 12 months have been about as productive of time that this league has ever had. I give a ton of credit to Commissioner Bowlesby for getting those four schools solidified before he left. And I give um, a ton of credit to Commissioner Yormark for coming in and really throwing a lot of mud at the wall and challenging us to think differently and setting us up for this moment to have these four schools come on board. How important was it, Jamie, to look back at that that year that you guys considered expansion? I want to say that was 18 or 19. And you had your list and you ultimately decided not to expand. But you basically went back to that list and that allowed you guys to move pretty quickly, you know, almost two years ago now. How important was having that list? Because right now we're seeing other conferences consider expansion, but they don't really know what direction to go, it seems like. So take us back to that period of time, almost two years ago, and how that process went and how important that list was. Well, I think it really did expedite that process. You know, we obviously didn't know at that moment in time that we'd be <laughs> using the list, you know, sometime in the future. But when that happened in Texas and OU announced they were leaving, it really allowed Commissioner Bowlesby to move uh, in, a, in a manner that a lot of conferences never could have because all the legwork had been done and it was now a matter of just executing, you know, what was potentially, you know, in the works, you know, months prior to that. Mm -hmm. So very helpful. And it's created this opportunity for the Big 12 to be, you know, very stable. Uh, I've joked but I'm serious when I joke about it and say, you know, I, I have all those scars. I don't wish ill will upon any of my peers at fellow conferences, but it's kind of nice not to be the conference that's got the issues right now, you know, similar to what we've seen, unfortunately, from the Pac-12 and the ACC. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, not having done this as long as you, but been around this conference for well over a decade now, it does feel like it's a, a settling place to be here in the big 12. So, so, Take me through. I mean, you know, you're watching this from afar when it comes to what the Big 12 may do, what it may not do, what's going to happen in the Pac-12. You've been on both ends of this, as you just noted. Uh, what do you think, Commissioner Yormark, and you've had these conversations in recent weeks, I imagine, how the future of this league is going to look? And is it really just a waiting game right now? Or is there something else that you're waiting for that has to play out to see what this league might look like in 2025 or 2026? Well, I think it's really important for people to understand the big 12 is going to be fine. You know, if it's just the 12 of us, 
life is going to be just fine and we are well positioned to have great success. New television deal, the college football expansion coming with the playoff, having the ability to have our teams play into that. We have the best basketball conference in the country and it only just got stronger with the addition of those four schools. So what Commissioner Yormark has done has really been bold and aggressive about saying, here's what the Big 12 has, and, and we're good. Now, mm -hmm. if stuff happens around us where things change in a particular conference that somebody's choosing to go somewhere else, we want them to look at the Big 12 as a possible destination. But I don't want anyone to be thinking we're out there. You know, I Personally, I hope everything stays the way it is because I know the disruption that's caused both pro and negative for schools if there's further realignment. And I don't mm. wish that upon anybody. I don't wish it upon the administrators, the, the alums, the fans, um, because it's usually at somebody's expense. Mm -hmm. But if it's going to happen, which we don't control, you know, if the Pac-12 or something happened in the ACC, if that's going to happen, we've put ourselves in the best possible position that we might be attractive that somebody would say, hey, you know, I'd like to go to the Big 12, but we don't need anybody to come to the Big 12 for us to have success. So we're in a really, really good position. And quite frankly, it's a very unique position, at least during my 18 years. Being around, and I think it's a great point, being around college sports and specifically the Big 12, as long as you've been around it, seeing uh, some of these reports and, and rumors that get floated out there. And, and I think what Brett Yormark's trying to do, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, is he's got this vision of potentially a super conference for basketball. Maybe, you know, uh, what the SEC is going to become in football, creating that in basketball. You're right. It's already the best conference in the country for basketball. Could it be better? Is that why you look at a UConn, a Gonzaga, some of these basketball first schools that get brought up? When you look at that, Jamie, and that possibility, does that create confusion amongst a conference considering you guys feel like you're very tight-knit group right now or is there just too much benefit to look at from that perspective that makes it worth a conversation well i think what he's brought is just a mentality of get all the options on the table and keep all the options open until you don't need those options and mm -hmm. i think that's really what he's done he's also you know came up with a a concept i believe that you know, we'll find out long term whether it pays dividends or not. But really, in the new television deal, to extricate the basketball piece from the football piece so that in 2030-31, when we go back to the television market, the rights don't just go back as they have been packaged in the past as one big package. They'll go back as two separate packages, football and basketball. And he did it that way just to protect the future. If basketball does have more value that we could possibly grow, then let's put it in a position that we could capitalize on that. Mm -hmm. We could end up in 2030, 31 with the same partners having both the same properties, both basketball and football. But under our previous deal, that wasn't even a possibility. It was all one big entity. And so I think that's part of it. The, you know, the Mexico City piece, I mean, there's just pieces that he has brought to the table. Some may work out and some may not work out. Some may get implemented and some may not get implemented. But it's it's putting all options on the table to just make sure we're taking advantage of the 
the opportunities that may be there for us. And is it fair to say, Jamie, that that between leadership in this conference right now and the 12 teams that are going to be the future of this league, it is as cohesive a unit as there's been in your 18 years, or is that too strong of a statement? No, I, I would say without a doubt, it's the most cohesive it's been in my time of 18 years. You know, throughout those 18 years, I mean, we had some great moments as a league, but it just always felt like somebody was threatening to go, coming or going or discontent <laughs> about this. And right now it just, it feels, it feels really, really positive. The four new members coming on from their coaches, their administrators, to their presidents, to their fan bases are just, they're fired up. Pete, the best example was, you know, as we threw mud on the wall and we talked about, do we need to change the name of the big 12? And quite frankly, a lot of us had started to drink that Kool-Aid because you do have the scars and battle, you know, the, the marks from all the battles over the years. And to hear the presidents of the four new schools say, whoa, whoa, time out. We've waited forever to join the Big 12. There's a lot of brand equity in the Big 12. It was refreshing, quite frankly, to hear that because you start to drink and, you know, you start to believe the press clippings yourself that, oh, we should, you know, we shouldn't be the Big 12 because that's got a connotation of negativity. It didn't with those four new presidents. And I think it was refreshing for all of us to hear that and kind of help us all rally behind that. That is such a great point and a cool story. Jamie Pollard, the Iowa State Athletic Director, is joining us on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for being here. If it's on YouTube, the podcast, any of our radio affiliates, appreciate you joining us. And as always, uh, we appreciate when you hit that subscribe button here on the show. So let's get to some of the exciting things happening at Iowa State, uh, Jamie. But I do want to just start off and and ask you about um, yourself at Iowa State and then Iowa you guys have this investigation into athlete gambling and the broader conversation I want to have is this stuff's not going away. It's just not, it, it's part of our culture. Now, whether you watch games, you go to games, it's getting legalized in States all over the country. What can universities, what can athletic departments, what would you recommend athletic departments do as this continues to be a part of everyday sports culture? And it's it, the genie's not going back in the bottle. So what can be done? Well, first of all, to just clarify, and, and I can only speak for Iowa State, I can't speak for the University of Iowa, but you know, this is not what happened at Alabama. I mean, this is not where somebody was rogue trying to do something to gain an advantage. This is clearly a situation where we had student athletes and uh, staff members that were using their phone and were on a fan duel or uh, you know, one of the other many um, gambling apps, and that's illegal. It's illegal. Well, it's illegal to do it if you're a minor. It's illegal to do it if you're using somebody else's name. And it's an NCAA violation to do it regardless if you're a minor or not. And so it's safe to say, and, you know, President Baker has just uh, commissioned a recent study at the NCA about college students. It's safe to say what happened at Iowa and Iowa State is happening everywhere in the country. Yes. You know, and unfortunately, in our particular situation, it's like speeding, right? We mm -hmm. can all say people speed, but you know, the day that police officer sitting on your street and has the radar gun on you, you know, that's not a, an excuse. And so the first thing I would say to my peers is make sure you're educating because that's what's going to keep this as an eligibility issue and not something far greater from the NCA standpoint about institutional control. Not one of our student athletes or one of the staff members that ended up being caught up in this has said, 
that they didn't know. They all admitted that they knew they couldn't do it. They just didn't know they were going to get caught doing it. So um, we had done our part to educate on numerous occasions. They'd all signed documents saying they couldn't do it. Um, and unfortunately, they did do it. And, you know, it does feel a little bit, you know, our, our society is way ahead of where the rules are on this subject. And some mm -hmm. reminds me a little bit of where, how marijuana was viewed five years ago and how it's viewed today in terms of just penalties and punishments. Um, and quite frankly, you know, we might end up being the test case for the NCA that will change what the punishments will be in the future. So mm -hmm. we're still in the, the fact finding because it, it's not as simple as I thought or as most people assume of being able to just get that data to be able to demonstrate here's what the student athlete or the staff member did. Once you can say what they did, then there's a set of rules that the NCA has that we have to abide by. The second thing I would tell all my peers and I have told them all is, you know, the current rule, which I didn't know, the current rule is if you bet on any college sports, I assumed it was if you bet on your sport. But if you bet on any college sport, so if a football player bets on the NCAA basketball tournament, a baseball player bets on the women's NCAA basketball tournament, you're done for your career. It's over. It's done. Um, that's a really, really harsh penalty. And so you better be educating your student athletes that they're playing with fire. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's another set of penalties that are based on how much you bet if you bet on the Super Bowl or you bet on, you know, Major League Baseball or hockey. So understanding what the penalties are so you can, you know, we, we talk about to our student athletes and our staff that you can't bet, don't bet on it. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about what the penalties are. And I think the penalties are so severe that um, I think that I, if I was doing this over, I would have been talking about the penalties if you did choose to do it. Um, because they are really severe. Last thing on that, I don't want to get you in trouble with the NCAA, but you kind of alluded to it there where it feels like the, the penalties are stricter than where society is at today on this stuff. I mean, is this something the NCAA you think will be looking at, should be looking at in terms of adjusting some of this? Oh, I, I, they will and, um, and they should, but it's not their fault either. I mean, it's, Kind of caught up on all of us yeah um you know all of us are, heck all of us would be guilty of not knowing that and 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 being victim to it if their student athletes you know were caught up in a sting and that's mm -hmm. really what happened in the state of iowa you know it was a criminal investigation not done by the gaming association it was a criminal investigation looking for entities like FanDuel or any of those that are certifying individuals to be gamers when they are minors mm -hmm. and not and so that's really what they were after and mm -hmm. so they put up a geofence and they monitored everything that happened inside that geofence for six months at iowa and iowa state wow. and then they served subpoenas on all those phones that had either minors or somebody that was using a different identification it had nothing to do with nca gambling mm -hmm. and so but by the mere fact that happened then as a member of the NCA, we got to adhere to those NCA rules that as a member, we've agreed to be part of. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and so that's where we find ourselves and it'll, it'll all get sorted out and it, you know, we'll be better for it when it's all said and done. It just will be painful on the way to getting better. 
Jamie, uh, let's look at kind of what's what's happening here on the field, on the court with uh, your two main programs. Of course, you've got Matt Campbell, you've got TJ Otzelberger, two coaches in your premier sports uh, or your revenue generating sports, we should say, that uh, a lot of uh, universities around the country would love to have on board. I know that you look at the football program and maybe it wasn't the year that a lot of people expected, even though we all expected a little bit of a rebuild, a lot of close losses. Um, but certainly, you know, Matt Campbell made some changes for you and, and him, since you guys are attached at the hip in large part, what have the offseason conversations been like in a year that, you know, Coach Campbell's had this kind of rocket ship success. He's got tied to big NFL jobs in some cases. And then you have this kind of a setback. How have you guys dealt with this in the offseason? What have those conversations been like? Well, first of all, Coach Campbell has been awesome to work with. He is a continual learner, lifelong learner. He is great to, uh, from an administrative standpoint, um, he's wonderful with the student athletes and their families, you know, and I, and I think, you know, we're a program that, you know, we're going to, we're going to be a development program and, you know, we're not a blue blood, so we're not going to go get the five-star athletes and just flip a switch and, you know, reload every year. We've, we're a program that we're going to have to develop or recruit the right young men and then develop them over time. And I think what probably happened is, we got caught a little bit in that COVID year where we had the really good team when all those young men were seniors and we won uh, the Fiesta Bowl beating Oregon and played in the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma. And because they all got an extra year, you know, they all came back. And um, when they all came back that year, I think two things happened. One, there was a whole different mentality because we weren't the underdogs anymore. And I don't think that both the coaches and or those senior players or, you know, now they were like double senior players were prepared for that. And then secondly, um, what it did is it cost the underclassmen an opportunity to, to get the reps that they probably would have gotten. And so when that big group of seniors left and that was the Brock Purdy's, the Brees Hall's, the Charlie Kohler's, you know, there was a big group of um, players that are in the NFL right now. Um, and, that group had never gotten the reps to be tested. And so last year we were young. We played a lot of young players. And you mentioned we lost a lot of close games. And so they earned their stripes, you know, on the field, but probably a year later than they should have. And so I feel really good about this team that we'll have this year. Um, I think a lot of people won't be thinking much about us, which is just fine. That works for us. And we'll be back to that development, hardworking program that people are going to regret looking past us. Do you, you know, you mentioned NIL and, and developmental programs, and I think this can apply to basketball or, or football. Um, the way that NIL is changing the game, Jamie, do you see Iowa State benefiting more in one sport over the other with the NIL craziness? Does it help more in, in basketball or football, or is it just different? It's a little bit different. I think there's more, uh, most football players know they're not going to play their first year. I mean, it's, it's most football players know they got to be developed. I mean, you, yeah. you can get some really talented, skilled positions that can do it, but you know, offensive line, defensive line, you know, most young men know that they're they're It's going to take a little bit because it's just a, it's a different physical game. And because of that, you don't have as much of, what you see in basketball, which everybody thinks 
they're the next starting player and the next NBA first round draft choice. And as because of that, they all come with their handout for, you know, or many of them come with their handout from the beginning. They have agents, they have representatives, and they want to talk NIL right from day one. Um, now, that being said, I, I feel really positive about the two coaches we have in those two sports because they both trade on a different, um, you know, they use a different currency than a lot of coaches around the country. And their currency is about development trust, you know, and we're going to help you become, we're going to use sport to help you become a, a young man and prepare you for life after sport. And if along the way, it includes some NIL opportunities, we have our We Will Collective and we'll help with that, but we're not going to buy you to come here because we're not going to try to buy wins. And, you know, some people thought that wasn't something you could do. Our last two recruiting classes in basketball and football have been our best two recruiting classes in the history of Iowa State. So if you still are willing to work and still spend the hours recruiting and maybe even having to work harder recruiting, you can find young men, you can find families that want a coach that's vested in helping them develop as a holistic person. And that's how Iowa State will have success. And that's our opportunity in this new age of NIL. That is uh, very interesting. And I, I just, great point too, on bringing up the fact that the recruiting classes have not dropped off at all. In fact, they've been great. So well, our uh, men's basketball classes have been top 10 both yeah. years. We've never had that. I mean, we've signed more top 100 players in the last two years than we had signed ever in the history of Iowa State in total. And, and we did it during, quote, the NIL era, and we're not paying players. Damn impressive. Uh, Jamie, I got to ask you, uh, the big business side of, of what you do, it's not just managing teams and coaches. Uh, the bridge, uh, you know, I haven't seen the bridge in person yet, but it looks great. Uh, you've got this Sci-Town project going on as well at Iowa State. How much does, does the never-ending arms race play into what you're doing every single day now? And frankly, if you're not growing, you're falling behind is what it seems like in the entertainment space as much as anything else. Well, you're absolutely right on that. If you're not growing, you're falling behind. And um, it's been fascinating. We started the Sidetown concept about five years ago. It was done for a multitude of reasons, all um, for the benefit of the university, the city, the athletics department, central Iowa. And it's been fascinating to watch other athletic programs around the country now start announcing that they're going to try to do something similar. Um, you know, we had fun with our good friend Pete Thamel because he had tweeted out about a month ago that Tennessee was going to be the first one ever to do one of these on campus. And <laughs> I reached out to Pete and said, Pete, I can't tell you Iowa State's first, but I know this, Tennessee's not because <laughs> we put a shovel in the ground in May and we're $40 million into the infrastructure of uh, the foundation for Sightown. So I know we're ahead of Tennessee. Um, there might be somebody out there that's ahead of Iowa State on it, but I'm not aware of that, but I'm not claiming to be the first either. Well, uh, it is going to be a very exciting project to watch unfold. Uh, you're certainly not going to be the last. I know that much. Tennessee won't be the last. This is only going to continue. So uh, thank you, Jamie Pollard. We so appreciate you being here. Looking forward to another great athletics year coming up and adding these four new Big 12 teams is going to be a lot of fun. So thanks so much for being here on the show. 
Thanks, Pete. And we got to get you to aim so you can walk across that bridge with me. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's going right. to be on the short list. Uh, we appreciate Jamie Pollard joining us on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. Before you leave, whether you're on the podcast or YouTube, hit that subscribe button on the radio show. Always appreciate you guys being here. Have a great rest of the day.